Well, I want to help some people out today because you might not know this, but in two weeks, two weeks from this Sunday is Mother's Day. And you got to remember Mother's Day. You got to remember. And, the, and if you got a mom and it's like, don't get me anything, if you know women, sometimes they'll say one thing, but they don't mean it. Don't point. I'm just saying it. it so don't get me anything means I'm expecting gifts all day long. That's what that means. So, and, and, and the reason it, I'm thinking about Mother's Day is, number one, um, I'm going to wear, I wear a suit once a year, and I wear one on Mother's Day. It's, it's, and I have, I have two suits. I own two. I've never worn one. I bought it because it was buy one, get one free. Um, but I wear, I wear a suit on Mother's Day. What do you wear on Father's Day? Um, cut off t-shirt. That's, that's what I wear. <laughs> Belly shirt. Anyway, so that's, that, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to any, anybody. But Mother's Day is, is going to be in two weeks. And the reason I was thinking about that is because when I was a kid, and some of you experienced this growing up, my mother was the one that came and got me up for school and got me up for church every morning. She would just come in my room and she would just kind of pull my cut. And she was real gentle. Like some moms are mean, but my mom wasn't mean. She was nice. And she was, she would kind of shake me a little bit and say, Perry, 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 it's time to go. And every day, I said the same thing. Five more minutes. <laughs> how many of y'all did this to your mom? How many, how many I, yeah, five more minutes, if I could just get five more minutes. And my mother was so kind, she always let me have five more minutes. Now, what I didn't know is she woke me up five minutes earlier than what I was supposed to get. Like, so she, I mean, she was so smart. She planned that out. And after she would, came, she would come back in, she'd you got your five minutes, now, now get up. Now, that worked on Sunday through Friday. It was a miracle. On Saturday, I didn't need any help getting up. I could just get up because cartoons were on television, so you can just get up by yourself on Saturday. But, but then, um, as, as most people know, she passed away when I was uh, like 11 years old. And my dad uh, and I had this conversation where he's like, I ain't getting you up. So we went to a store. Now, I'm going to date myself by telling you the name of this store. Some of you are going to remember the name of this store called T-G-N-Y. How many remember T-G-Y? Raise your hand. All right, these are all old people. All right, so we took our horse and buggy to T-G-N-Y, and we went in, and he bought me an alarm clock. Now, I'd never had an alarm clock, but he bought me one with this feature that I never had seen. I didn't know anything about alarm clocks, but there was this feature on it called the snooze button. Oh, it's my first addiction. Some of y'all still hitting it, aren't you? The, snoo the snooze button, the snooze button. Like I... I, you you could hit that snooze button and it would it was like the five more minutes except this one was set for seven that was my first snooze button was seven minutes I don't know why seven but I would I would hit it and 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 just snooze and over the years it got more and more and more and more addicting to what up to like three or four years ago I was hitting the snooze button like seven times every morning now I'm just kind of curious I'm just kind of curious who in this room this week. Either on your phone, see, because some of y'all like, well, technically, I hadn't hit it on the alarm clock. On your phone or on your alarm clock has hit snooze. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of slackers. All right. No, 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 my hand was up. Now, th th this is what I used to do. I used to hit the snooze button like seven times. But about, about four or five years ago, I decided, you know what? No more. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I had, to make, I had to go there in my mind. Now, I'm really weird because once I decide something, I'm going to do it. And so... I remember the morning, the first morning, the alarm went off, and I said, no more snooze. I literally got out of bed. Now, I've had people, and it's been a habit since then. Now, I've had people ask me, well, is it easy for you now? No, it's not easy at all. In fact, it's incredibly difficult because my bed, my bed, listen, my bed is comfortable. About 
two or three months ago, I invested in a really nice bed, like one of the ones with cooling gel in it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And you sit in it, and it forms to, I don't know what they call it, Tempur-Pedic. That's it. I bought one of those beds. Those things are awesome. And I bought a Tempur-Pedic bed, and I've got some cotton, like high thread count sheets, like Egyptian cotton. I don't know much about Egypt, but I just know they, they make some good cotton. I, I, just, I just love it. And, and, and then I got like a down comforter on top of that. And then on that, listen, about four months ago, I found out about this thing called a weighted blanket. Y'all know what that is? Oh my, it's like getting a big hug all night. That's what it is. And then I got a box fan right next to my bed and I got it cut on low. So I, I and I keep it super, super, super cold in my room, super cold, super cold. And so, so when, when my alarm went off this morning, did I want to get out of bed? No, because some of you, I bet you just couldn't wait to get to the house of God and preach. No, I want to sleep. <laughs> but I had to embrace the uncomfortable, and it's uncomfortable getting out of bed because I'm getting out of bed, and it's cold. I got chill bumps all over me. My nipples look like black-eyed peas, and I'm just trying to survive <laughs> that first five minutes. Oh, I got you all on that, didn't I? You weren't even listening. Though. I said nipple, and you were like, whoa. <laughs> Don't worry. It goes downhill from here. But, but, but I hit the snooze button, and, and I'm so glad that I don't hit the snooze button anymore. Literally, as soon now, I only set my alarm once a week. The rest of the days of the week, I tell myself, get up at 5, and I just wake up at 5. I don't know why. I'm just weird. I can just, I, I can just wake up. But when I do have to set an alarm, I stop hitting snooze because um, you've heard the expression, if you snooze, you lose. Well, the same thing is true spiritually. There have been times in my life, and I would bet, I would bet that if anybody in this room or watching online has walked with God for any amount of time, you would say that there have been times when God has set off an alarm in your life, that, that you knew the next step that you should take, that God was very clear about the next step you should take in your walk with Christ, and, and you, you absolutely knew it beyond the shadow of a doubt, but you hit snooze. And I'm not talking down to you. I'm, I'm talking to you as one that I've done it. We hit snooze and say, you know what? I, five more minutes, guy. But it happens on Sundays, um, and I'll talk more about this in the message, where in this room, God will speak to us, and we know we need to take a next step. But instead of saying yes, as soon as we walk out those doors, we hit snooze. And, and, and the thing is today is I want us as individuals and us as a body of believers, to stop hitting snooze when God speaks so clearly. Because at the end of the day, when we, when we snooze, we really do, do lose. We lose out on the blessings. We're missing out on the blessings that could come our way if we just said yes. So the question I want us to wrestle with today is real simple. Snooze or surrender? Today, if God were to make it absolutely clear what your next step is in your walk and your progression in your journey with Jesus, will you press snooze or will you surrender? And we're going to do it. We're going to talk about this by going to Ruth chapter three. Now, let me do a really quick review, really quick review for those of you that have been here. And for those of you that haven't been here, we'll catch you up real quick. Ruth chapter one starts out with a guy named Elimelech. He lives in Bethlehem. And he's got a wife named Naomi. He's got two kids. But there's a famine in Bethlehem. So they leave Bethlehem and they go to the land of where? Where did they go? Moab, right? They went to Moab. Now, Moab is a wicked place full of wicked people. 
In fact, they had a, they had a reputation for being a very sexually immoral place. And they went there to try to get away from the famine, but the Bible says they wound up settling there. And when you settle in Moab, you wind up doing things you said you would never do. And so Malon, Malon and Kilion were their sons. Um, Naomi married them off to Moabite women. You didn't marry, if you were Jewish, you were forbidden by the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. You were forbidden to marry Moabite women, and they did it anyway. Well, eventually, Elimelech, Malon, and Kilion all die. So all you've got left is Naomi with two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. And they start back to Bethlehem because they hear God's doing something in Bethlehem. And, and Orpah decides to go back to Moab, but Ruth says, I'm not leaving your side. I'm walking with you. So they get back to Bethlehem, and they were like, Naomi's back. And she's like, don't call me Naomi. I'm bitter. I'm pissed. I'm, I'm, I'm mad. I'm angry. That's, that's my translation of the Hebrew. Um, and so last week, we talked about how like Ruth told Naomi, I, I can't just sit in this house. I got to do something. I got I to walk. And so she went to the field of Boaz. Y'all remember we talked about Boaz? She took her ass to Boaz's field, right? I had to bring that up because it made some people mad last week. I just trying to get all the religious out. So anyway, she went to Boaz's field. And remember what happened? Boaz showed up and he was like, how you doing? How you doing? Hey. <laughs> Dang, who's that girl? Where's she from? Now, some of y'all are like, Boaz was just thirsty. <laughs> if you don't know what thirsty means, ask your teenage kids or grandkids. How many know what thirsty means? Yeah. If you didn't raise your hand, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> Google it. No, 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 don't, don't Google that. Oh, dear God. But we're, we're going to talk about this next week. He, it wasn't just that he was thirsty. He was 80 and never been married. I just said that for somebody because you're, you're 22 and all your friends are getting, I'm single, I've never been married. You're 22, shut up, you'll be all right, you'll be all right, you'll be all right, you'll be all right. So Boaz like, hey, who was that? Remember? He told Ruth, he said, come over here and sit down. Remember they had their first date? It was real cute, under the tree. Remember, and I told you ladies last week, she didn't look hot, she was, she was nasty, hair all matted to her head, didn't shave her legs that morning, just nasty, just, I mean, she just, I mean, she was... She, I mean, it was bad, but they had a date. And then Boaz said, you know what? Just drop handfuls on purpose for her. And remember, she, I, I, we talked about last week. In fact, I've received so much encouragement from last week's message about just keep walking. Even when you don't know what to do, just keep walking. Just keep taking the steps. And she's walking through and she's picking up the handfuls of blessings. And we ended last week by saying that Ruth like, went all the way, like every single day she would get up and go to the fields. Every single day she went up and went to the fields. Now let me tell you something. Ruth thought that that was as good as it would ever get. And I believe that Ruth got comfortable every single day getting up, doing the same thing. I love routine. I know what it's like to fall in love with a routine. And so every day Ruth gets up, goes to the field, comes back home, and she's being blessed. She's gathering in more than she ever thought she would gather. But, but God had something in store for her that was literally going to blow her mind. And that's where we're going to pick it up. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to love, I had so much fun in the last service. I'm going to have more in this one. All right, here we go. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it's time. 
It's time. Somebody needs to hear that today. It's time. It's time to stop hitting snooze. And I love what Nate, because Ruth has been staying with Naomi for a while. And have you ever had your kid come back home and stay with you? Don't point, but have you ever had your kid come back home and stay with you? And all your freedom goes away. You used to walk around the house in your underwear, farting wherever you wanted to fart. I mean, you were just kind of free. All of a sudden, your kid's back in. You're like, I can't do that. So she's like, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Now, this thought had never crossed Ruth's mind. Because by then, she was around 40 years old. And she, hold on, wait a minute. She was from where again? She was from Moab. So because she had came from Moab to Bethlehem, there wasn't a good Orthodox Jewish guy that would marry her. So the thought of her having a husband never even crossed her mind. But, but Naomi stepped in and said, oh, no, girl, girl, you, you're going to be all right. I know God's going to take care of you, and he's going to provide for you. And it's, it's about time we took that next step. So <laughs> it goes on. Boaz. Oh, that guy I met. And the, yeah, 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 him. Well, we had a date, and he hadn't called since. Yeah, I know. It's, men are ridiculous sometimes. We're, I'm going to walk you how to speed up the process. So Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight, he will be at the winning wing. He will, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. <laughs> Boaz. See, I love it that Naomi told her who, and he told her where. He told her who, and he told her where. And I, I would just simply say today, when it comes to surrender, I'll tell you who. His name is Jesus. The reason I would tell you to give your life to Jesus is very simple. His plans for your life are way better than your plans for your life. I learned a long time ago that the best way to live this life is to stop taking my plans to God and saying, God, bless these. And instead, approaching him with open arms going, God, I don't know what story you want to write, but anything, any story you want to write is better than any story I could ever write. So God, my life and my plans are in your hands. And when my plans don't match up with your plans, change my plans. It's called surrender. It's the best way to live life. So, so, so Ruth begins to tell her, and this is where it gets interesting. Y'all ready to go there? I don't think you're ready for it. I don't think you're ready. But I'm going to preach it. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath. Aren't you thankful? <laughs> for people in your life that will tell you the truth. I'm ready. What I need to do, girl? You need Calgon to take you. You need to take a bath. Aren't you, I'm so glad I got friends. That say, hey, 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 do these pants make my butt look big? No, your butt's big. It doesn't matter the pants. You're, I mean, you just got a big butt, all right? I cannot lie. So, so it took a minute. It's fine. It's fine. I don't quote theologians. I quote rap artists. So take a bath. In other words, in other words, Ruth, you're getting ready to go to the next level. And if you're going to go to the next level, you can't walk into the next level the way you've been walking in the fields. And, and you got to dress like you're expecting something greater to happen. 
And so many times I think the reason I personally, we've missed out on what God has for us is we just think the same thing's going to happen over and over and over again, not understanding that immeasurably more scripture, that means for your life too. So, so girl, take a bath and oh, put on, put on perfume, put on perfume. Oh, oh, it just went there. See, it just went to the next level. You want me to take a bath? What else? And, and, and dress in your nicest, girl. Get out of the field clothes. Get out, of that, get out of that nasty dress. Put on the good dress. Okay. What I do after that? Then go to the threshing floor. Oh, I've heard about that place. Get kind of crazy at the threshing floor, right? It's, it gets crazy at the threshing floor. Don't let Boaz see you. Until he has finished eating and drinking. <laughs> so she basically tells her to go stalk Boaz. Ruth, go stalk Boaz. So can you see Boaz walking in the threshing floor? Let's say it's the threshing floor is like a bar and Ruth walks in and it's like. She's on the phone when they, hey, Boaz, Boaz is like on his fourth drink. You sure? I, <laughs> sure I should? <laughs> sure I should? No, 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 just stay there, girl. All right. <laughs> now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying eating and drinking. And if you're from a Baptist background, you're like, oh, that's a potluck. <laughs> it's like a potluck. Some of you from an unchurch background, you're like, pot? What? In church? And that's a different story. Just wait for it. This, is, this eating and drinking is, is not the kind that happens in the fellowship hall. It's the kind that happens at Wild Wings on a Saturday night. Are we there? See, if you've been in church, you, you, this is the reason nobody ever taught the book of Ruth. when you're Because this, this part's uncomfortable. So you want me to go there, and he's going to be... Eating and drinking, and this is not the kind of drink. This is—it's not like having a couple sodas. I'm going to show this to you later on. Okay, this is great. Gets better. This next part, you ain't ready for it. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. Now, let me just put my cards on the table <laughs> and say, if you are young and single looking for dating advice, I, this, isn't, this is not from God. If somebody told my daughter this, I would start a prison ministry. I'm knocking somebody out. Because this is basically what she says. All right, listen, listen. Go to the party, but don't let him see you. Just kind of stalk him a little bit. He's going to have too much to drink. He's going to go lay down. When he lays down, go uncover his feet, and he wakes up, just say, I'll do whatever you want. Does that set, some of y'all like, that's how we met. But, but, but like other people, like, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't know where that last, I'm so sorry. I just, 
I'm actually not. I mean, this is not, I'll do whatever you want. Okay, this is weird. But watch what happens. Watch what happens. Because this does not make sense. This does not make sense. In what world is this, okay, is, is this going to make Ruth feel uncomfortable? Yes or no? Yes. Why in the world do we think that a step of faith is something that makes us comfortable? In fact, if we're going to take a step of faith, we've got to step out of what's comfortable and into the unknown. We've got to be willing to say yes, even when we don't know what the results are going to be. So this is what Ruth, or this is what Naomi's telling Ruth. But maybe somebody here today, well, you need to forgive somebody. And it doesn't make sense. Because the hurt they brought in your life is legitimate. But until you forgive them, you can't go to the next level in your walk with Jesus. Somebody here needs to confess a secret sin, a habit, an addiction. And it doesn't make sense. But see, if you don't, if you keep hiding it, you don't get to go to the next level. You're stuck. Oh, yeah, Pastor P, I'll do that. Snooze right after the service. Next week you show up, snooze, I'll do it after the service. This time next year you're going to still be hitting snooze. And when you snooze, you lose out on the blessings and the favor and the peace that God wants to bring in your life today. It's not God holding out on you. It's you holding out on him. Now it gets, it's about to get crazy. Watch what happens. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. I want to show you the sentence in this verse that I think without these six words, we don't have the book of Ruth. We don't, we don't even have it. It's not even in the Bible. It's only four chapters. It's in the Old Testament. It's just, it's, it, and, and some people, we just kind of skip right over it. But without these four words, we don't even know who Ruth is. It's these words right here. I will do everything you say. What if there was somebody here today? What if there was somebody watching online today? And this is what you said to God. I will do everything you say. I've had so many people tell me, Pastor Pete, don't call on me to pray. Because I don't know how to pray. And, and the reason you say that is because you've heard maybe your aunt or your uncle or your grandma or grandpa pray. And they use all these big words. Hey, what does that mean? Nothing. You want me to show you how to pray? Why don't you just say that phrase to God? That prayer right there changed your life. Could change your marriage. Could change your family. Could change your work environment. God, I just do everything you say. I, I do. And then don't miss this. Don't miss this. So she went. She didn't just say it. She followed through. I've never played golf in my life. Don't plan to don't want to. But if you're in this room and you've played golf, I understand from what I've been told, it's not just important that you hit the ball. It's the follow through that matters. Am I right, golfers? Yes or no? Yeah, it's the follow through. It's the follow through. It's not just saying yes. It's following through. So even though she didn't understand, even though she was like, oh, all right. Well, I'm... 
So basically, you want me to go seduce this guy. But, but she's from Moab. You know, there was a time in Israel's history where all the Moabite women got together and tried to seduce the Israelite men. See, God can take anything and redeem it. Anything. I'll move on. Y'all weren't ready for that one. I just move on. I just move on. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits. <laughs> See, some people are like, no, he wasn't drinking wine. How do you get in good spirits? <laughs> if I drink like five or six Coca-Colas, I'm not in good spirits. I'm peeing the whole time. <laughs> How do you get in good spirits? Does that mean, yes, you know what, it, it, it means, I wonder, without raising your hand, how many know what it's like to be in good spirits? There's only, there's only two types of people when you're in good spirits. You a lover or a fighter. And alcohol is a truth serum. It just brings the truth out. Mm -hmm. It removes the filter, does it not? Am I, who am I preaching to right now? Who am I preaching? How many know what I'm talking about? Tell the truth and shame the devil. How many know what I'm talking about right now? That's why you at the 11 o'clock service, because you, you were in good spirits, and you couldn't come to the 915. Oh, it just got real, didn't it? He finished eating and drinking, was in good spirits. Then he laid down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Can you see this in a movie? But it's kind of, oh, God, if you just let me make it to bed, I'll never do this again. <laughs> I'll never do it again, God. God, I'll, I'll get 20% next week. I just need to lay down. <laughs> and he lays down, and everything's quiet, and all of a sudden, you see Ruth going, doop, 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 doop. Covers his feet and lays down. Now, let me ask you a question. As Ruth lay there, do you think she had this thought? This is the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. <laughs> this is never going to... Do you think Do you think that she thought about maybe getting up and running away, yes or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, she, do you think she thought maybe Naomi had lost her mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, that, that's why taking a step of faith is uncomfortable. Like, for example, when you forgive someone. I've had people say, Perry, what if I forgive that person and all they say is, okay. Well, that's fine. So you're not responsible for their obedience. We're just responsible for our obedience. So I'm, I'm, anytime, anytime we take a step of faith, it's going to be uncomfortable. And if it's not uncomfortable, it's not a step of faith. So she's laying there. And then God moves. How do you know God moves? Watch. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up. Now, if you've ever had a lot to drink, <laughs> you know that you don't suddenly, wait, you, you have to sleep that off, yes or no? Yes. yes, yeah, yeah, you have to sleep that off. Am I preaching too real this morning? Am I getting too real in this moment? Y'all looking at me? Oh my God, it, I'm just saying, you don't suddenly wake up. Hey, I'm just preaching from something I know about. You don't suddenly wake up. You, you out. 
for a long time. And then when, when you wake up, you, you wish you weren't awake, right? <laughs> Head hurts. He suddenly woke up and turned over and was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. He's 80, never been married. You think he had given up on asking God for something great to happen in his life as far as relationship? Yeah, probably had. So he goes to this party, has too much to drink, lays down, rolls over, and is like. <laughs> so he probably thought he was dreaming. Until, he, who are you, he asked. Because they don't have his glasses on. <laughs> and he's in good spirits. And this has never happened to him before. Has this ever happened to you? You woke up and she was just in your bed. Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Don't, I can't ask that in this church. I could ask that in any other church but this church. I'm your servant, Ruth, she replied. Watch this. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. Mm. Mm -mm. You know what you call that right there? Pillow talk. <laughs> Y'all know what pillow talk is? you're in this room, you're a teenager, you're like, I don't know what pillow talk is. It's what your mother and your father do on Sunday afternoon when they tell you they're taking a nap. <laughs> pillow talk. Some of you were conceived because of pillow talk. <laughs> pillow talk is that conversation that you have in that environment that nobody else can hear. Am I right or wrong? Oh, I know I'm right. You don't have to tell me. When, when, when the room gets quiet, you're right. <laughs> do, do, you think, do you think that Boaz had given up on something great happening in his life as far as relationship? And all of a sudden, he wakes up in the middle of the night, and there's the girl that he had originally thought, and they'd had a date, but he was too nervous to follow up with it. I mean, this is getting crazy. So then... <laughs> The Lord bless you, my daughter. <laughs> you don't say. The Lord bless you, Boaz exclaimed. Notice the exclamation point. It wasn't like, ah, oh, yeah, you all right. You all right? I mean, I've had a few too many. I mean, Mickey Gilly, a long time ago, used to sing a song called The Girls All Get Prettier at Closing Time, right? <laughs> but this wasn't like that. It was different. The Lord bless you, my daughter. You are showing me even more family loyalty now that you did before. For you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. In other words, you haven't been chasing those younger guys. You, they, I mean, this is, this is crazy. And then he says this. Now, don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary. For everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. Okay, Boaz, hold on. Everybody in town didn't know that. Everybody in town didn't know that Ruth was a virtuous woman because Ruth was from Moab. And the Moabite women were not known as virtuous women. The Moabite women made the Vegas women blush, if you know what I'm saying. The Moabite women were not known as virtuous. When Ruth came into town, nobody was like, oh, here's a virtuous woman from Moab. 
<laughs> Virtuous and Moab went together like South Carolina and national championship in football. That, it just never happened. It just never happened. Hello! Virtu Everybody sees that you're a virtuous woman. When she's in the field, nobody thinks she's virtuous. It's like, hey, there's that piece of garbage from Moab. There's that trashy woman from Moab. Nobody in town saw her as a virtuous woman except for Boaz. Boaz saw her as a virtuous woman. Now, here's what's beautiful. in this. Boaz, in this story, is the Christ figure. And the reason I brought that up is to let you know, I don't know what you did. I don't know what's in your past. I don't know what your reputation is now. But just like Boaz saw Ruth differently, Jesus sees you differently. See, Boaz didn't look at her past. He looked at her potential, and he knew that she had the potential to live a greater life than she had lived in her past. And when Jesus looks at you, he don't see what you did. He don't see what was done to you. He don't see the regrets. He don't see that. He sees the potential that you have that can be unleashed if you would just say yes and surrender instead of hitting snooze. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't see you like other people see you? They tried to put a label on you. They tried to hold you down. They tried to tell you that you were something that you're not. But Jesus says, you are my child. You can walk in victory and you can have hope and you can have peace and you can have joy. Jesus doesn't see us the way the world sees us. He sees us in a greater light. I was, I'm preaching better than somebody's clapping this morning. That was a great spot. Man, I wish I had a charismatic with a tambourine. They would have wore it out right there. I'm just kidding. Please don't bring a tambourine next week. Please don't. God, somebody in this church would do it. Watch this. But while it's true that I'm one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I. Now, this is the way it worked in, in ancient Israel. If you, if you were married to a man and, and he died, you married his brother. I don't know how that would work in your situation right now. Some of you are like, dear God. <laughs> and if you couldn't marry his brother, you'd marry the, the closest relative and you would have a, a kid and try to carry on that family name. That's, that's how it worked. So Boaz was saying, hey, listen, you've taken this step of faith and it's good, um, but, but it's going to take a minute to get it worked out. See, sometimes we, I, I wish I could tell you as soon as you took a step of faith, everything got better. But it don't. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it's a process. I wish I could tell you, if, if you'll just let me pray for you, let me put my hands on your head and pray for you and say amen, kind of push you over, <laughs> right? You've been there. You've seen that. That when you walked out of this, all your bills will be paid. Kids would graduate from college, your car would start, you'd have money. I wish, I wish that was true, but it's, it takes a while. When you Sometimes we get discouraged when we take a step of faith because we take a step of faith and then nothing happens that we see. But just because we don't see him working doesn't mean he's not working. Now, this is, this is where it gets crazy. So you're Boaz, you're 80 years old, never been married. You got a woman in your bed, she's hot. Stay here tonight. That there's somebody else. But, but hold on, stay tonight. Stay the night. Brought in a little Chicago, right? Just <laughs> stay the night. I mean, but, but, don't, but don't leave. I've been praying for this for a long time. <laughs> it's 
to stay tonight, baby, and in the morning I will talk to him. We'll talk to him in the morning. But what, 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 baby, we ain't got forever, but we got tonight. That's what we got tonight. If he is willing to redeem you very well, let him marry you. But if he's not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here till morning. They were in the, the threshing floor. Now, the, the next verse says, so Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until morning. What'd they do? What'd they, what'd they do on the threshing floor? Was there some thrashing on the threshing floor? I'm just asking a question. Here's, I did some study on this. Do you know what I've discovered? Commentators can't agree. Nobody knows what happened. There's some commentators that said they laid side by side, just like this. <laughs> They're not full of divinity. They're full of humanity. Some people say they just cuddled. Maybe. I don't know. But a guy that's 80, that hadn't had a, I'm just, some people say that what happened on the threshing floor Stays on the threshing floor, right? <laughs> this is why I don't get taught. The, but, but, but you say, well, Pastor P, this is really making me uncomfortable. Why are you bringing this up? Here's why. Oftentimes, God works best in the mysterious. Where you, you don't know what happened, and you can't explain it. You just know it started this way, and it ended here. What happened in the middle you don't completely understand, that's how you know it's God. I can't tell you what happened on the threshing floor. I don't know. By the way, you don't know. I know. No, you don't because you weren't there. You know who knows what happened? Boaz and Ruth. Boaz and Ruth. And God. Yes, somebody. And God. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> Captain Jesus, thank you for being here. So thankful that you're here. Did I just say Captain Jesus? I have never said that in my dear God. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning. See, some of you are like, see, see, she lay at his feet. Okay, I'll let you, you believe that. You keep holding on to that. Keep holding on to that. Keep holding on to that. You believe in the stork too, don't you? But she got up before it was light enough for, for people to recognize her. For Boaz had said, no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Why was he trying to keep it a secret? It's mysterious, isn't it? And, the, and, then, and then Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it in her back. And then he returned to the town. And, and I, it's like, it's kind of weird. They just spent the night. We don't know really what happened, but here's some barley. And, but the thing that I want you to walk away is you never walk away from an experience with Jesus. With, you, you never walk away without being blessed. You never walk away. That's why this church, our vision is to create an environment where people can experience the presence of God every single week. Because I know this. If you experience the presence of Jesus, you can't walk away the same. It always changes us. And so, 
So then, I love this, when Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi, Naomi asked, what happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything. You got two women talking. How many of you know this conversation took a while? How many of you know that women want a few more details than men? Like men can be like, hey, saw Bob the other day. How's he doing? He's doing good. That's great. When I saw Bob the other day, what was Bob wearing? <laughs> Clothes? How's Bob's wife? No, I, I just saw Bob. How are the kids? I, did, I didn't know it had kids. Like, 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 like we're just men. So, so they're talking. Now, I love the fact that, don't miss this, don't miss this. Ruth went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi. How thankful are you for Naomi? Because when we first meet Naomi in the story, she walked away. Then she comes back. And she gets to Bethlehem, but when she got there, she said she was what? Empty and bitter. Empty and bitter. And, and we think once a person gets empty and bitter, God can't use them. But in Ruth chapter 2 and Ruth chapter 3, we see God slowly filling her back up. See, it, saying that you're empty is not a bad thing. In fact, once we say we're empty, God says, now I can fill you up. Thank you for telling the truth. Thank you for not pretending that you got it all together. Thank you for saying that you're empty. And, and, he, and he fills her up to where her overflow begins to bless Ruth. And she begins to instruct her in the ways of the Lord. And Ruth winds up getting a book in the Bible named after her because of Naomi. You got to have a Naomi in your life. You got to have, listen, somebody, I'm not talking about somebody that follows you on social media. I'm talking about somebody that's in your life that you can trust with everything. So she goes back and she tells Naomi. So Naomi knew what happened on the threshing floor. Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she added, he gave me these six groups of barley and said, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. Watch this. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. I love that. She told Ruth, you take this step of faith, even though it's uncomfortable, even though you don't understand, even though there's details that you cannot be, if you take this step of faith, I promise you, that Boaz will not rest until he's done. Ruth, you do your part, and he will do his. And he won't rest until it's done. If Boaz is the Christ figure in this story, then the same thing that's true for Ruth is true for us. Hey, stop hitting snooze. Say, I surrender. Because when we take that step, then God takes, God takes initiative and begins to do things that we could have never done. It's not, listen, we're not waiting on God. He's waiting on us. And I promise you, once you hit surrender, God begins to move and does incredible work in your life. There's somebody in this room, you need to surrender today. You're angry and you're bitter. And you've got to surrender that today. 
you got to confess it. You got to ask God for help. And you got to move on. There's somebody in this room today, listen, you got a secret sin. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's an addiction. And you think you can keep it hidden. Listen to me. You can't hide it. And anything that grows in the dark is nasty. You need to surrender that. You need to ask for help. You, there's some people in this room, you, 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 you are super scared to admit something. You're struggling with depression, but you think you're going to hold it in. Listen, today's the day you need to surrender. And when I say surrender, I'm not talking about just saying, yes, God, I surrender. And then walking out in that parking lot and getting your car and going home and forgetting anything that happened. I'm talking about during the invitation. During the invitation, we stand and pray in just a few minutes. As we stand to pray, I want you to step out of your aisle and walk out these back doors, these two doors right here. Because there's people on our care team that want to pray with you and pray for you. And this is, this is the safest place to admit I'm not where I want to be. Because when you take that step, God begins to do things in the background that we can't see but one day we'll benefit from in ways we could never imagine. I'm asking somebody today to stop hitting snooze and hit surrender and take a step of faith and watch what Jesus can do in your life. Can we stand for prayer? Father, I want to thank you that your word is living and active. It is a lie that this story that happened thousands of years ago still applies to our life today. Father, I want to thank you for the, every single person in this room watching online that needs to take a step of surrender. Father, I pray that you would fill people with the courage right now even to step out of the aisle and walk out the back door who are struggling with an addiction, who are struggling to forgive, who are struggling to find hope. God, I pray for the person in this room that has struggled this week with even trying to find a reason to live. God, that you would fill them with the hope right now and they would have the courage to ask for help. They wouldn't hit snooze on what we know that you want us to do. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would surrender that next step, that every single person in this room would literally say, Jesus, I am here and I am yours. I surrender to your ways. I want what you want. Show me how to live my life for you, Jesus. Here I am. I surrender to you. Jesus, thank you so much that you demonstrated what surrender looked like in the garden where you prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Father, I pray that that would be our prayer today. God, not our will, but your will be done in our lives. I pray for every single person in this room, every single person watching online, that God, we know what our next step is. God, that today we would not hit snooze. But today we would surrender right where you stand. Whatever that thing is that God is telling you to do, why don't you just surrender to him and then make plans as soon as you step in the parking lot to take your next step, whatever that looks like. Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. And you know that's your next step, to pray and ask Jesus to come into your life. If that's you in this room or online and you need to ask Christ in your life, then right where you stand, I want you to just pray this prayer in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, right now, 
I surrender to you. I am completely yours. Show me how to live my life for you and take over. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name. With head still bowed and eyes still closed. If you just prayed that prayer, if you just surrendered your life to Christ, I want you right now to shoot your hand up in the, in the air and leave it up for just a second because I want to pray with you. I want to celebrate with your hands in the air right now. Really high, really high, really high, really high. Father, I want to thank you in the name of Jesus that you have saved people today. God, I want to thank you that you have changed people today. Father, I want to thank you that today, I know for a fact, Jesus, that you help us take our hand off the snooze button and say yes to you. Father, I pray that you would fill us with the wisdom to know what you want, with the courage to act, God, with the faith to follow, with the hope to know that Jesus, once we take that step of faith, God, you begin to do things that would absolutely blow our mind. And then we walk out of this place, God, knowing that you are good, knowing that your plans are great, knowing that you really do want greater things for us than we want for ourselves. God, that we would celebrate that and we would anticipate this week that the greatest things in our lives are still ahead of us. Thank you for being good. Thank you for loving us. We love you. We ask this in your name. Everybody that agreed said amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Don't miss next week as we wrap up this series. I love you guys. God bless. We'll see you all next Sunday.